I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to the show. Hello there. Dan here along with Michael. And Phil Hay from The Athletic as well. It's the Square Ball Podcast with Phil Hay, where we talk about at the back end of the week, anyway, the game that's coming up. But we've got a midweek game to reflect on this week, Phil. Um, threw in the cup after a little wobble against Shrewsbury. Um, where do you want to start with this? Or do you want to talk about what is going on in the background? Because the story in the background almost overtook the football last night, didn't it? Almost. <laughs> Shall we get the football out of the way? Um, the, the first half made me want to resign. Um, the second half was a... Um, noticeable move through the gears and a deserved win which um, performance that shows we couldn't really live with so into the second round where they play Matt Smith Salford and that was that really he's tweeting about it hasn't it as Matt Smith um... yeah I got a message from him last night saying looking forward to you coming I said probably more than we're looking forward to going but you know I'm looking forward to an athletic deep dive on, on Matt Smith uh, we have done some pieces with him actually have a read Yeah, good 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 um, we gave our thoughts on the match ball last night about about the game. Where are you on that one? Apart yeah. from apart from the resigning in the first half, bit. yeah. I mean, if, if only we could all do the same. There is a bit more to get into, isn't there? The second game running that uh, Leo Held has been substituted at half time, and and that Sam Barham has made a difference at left back. And I think looking at Held over the course of those two games, it doesn't look like it's it's worked to this point. And I think you have to ask questions about whether really if if Byram is fit enough for 90 minutes regularly and Farkas still seems to be a little bit cautious about about that. But if he is, then that seems like the pick at the moment. It was just a really flat first half, which was kind of, it just kind of felt like on sedatives or, or half asleep. There was a guy in the West Stand in front of us who was berating the players for about 20 minutes, so much so that around him, everybody else was just quiet, just listening to him, shouting at them about not talking, about poor passes, this, that and the other. It was really... Really disjointed. But the changes made a difference, Byram and, and Stroik. And I think more to the point, they just turned it on a bit in the second half, didn't they? They just started playing. They started putting the pressure on Shrewsbury. It, it told they deserved to go through. It was a worthwhile result because it you know, it averted a, a meltdown on that front when there was enough going on in the background anyway. Yeah, on um, on Yelda, it looks every little bit like, having slept on this, I thought about it overnight. And it's, it's worth saying as well, this is now Thursday lunchtime we're recording, by the way timestamp these things just in case the road on Dale hasn't fallen through as yet as we're no, recording <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, just to timestamp it so yeah we are talking about last night at the time of recording um, he struck me as a young centre back who is trying to find his way into the team isn't confident doesn't look to me like a left back certainly not a marauding left back who can get up and down that side and because he, he was getting again talking about players being berated I mentioned on the match ball last night there was a fella just in front of me who was going at him hammer and tong from the kickoff 
There were a lot of groans in the East stand as well when he kept turning back and passing the ball backwards um, rather than going forwards down the line. He looks like a player who's not a natural fit at left back and certainly not maybe at this stage in his career anyway. Whether he's young or old, I think that's true. I think you're looking at a centre-back who is playing out of position or is trying to learn a different position. And it is slightly extraordinary, a little bit like Leeds coming into the first week of the season with you know injuries and double figures. And how often does that seem to happen, whether it's start of the season or some point in the season, it just seems to be chronic injuries at Leeds all the time. But like centre-backs at left back we've had Max Ferber there we've had Strike there it seems to be a kind of pattern that Leeds are stuck in and partly over the past couple of years because it has not worked with with Junior Furpo there either who was the, the left back that they threw everything at in that summer in, in 2021 but there's very little that's gone on in these two games that makes me think that Hilda would be the answer there for, for 46 games this season more so Sam Byram but I don't think in the first two games Leeds have looked wildly solid on the other side of defence either and obviously Byram can play on the right as well it, it all feeds back to the conversation about what sort of balance the Leeds have in this squad and there isn't enough and had um, had Max Ahrens got over the line had he not backed out and gone to, to Bournemouth as seems to be happening today you know that would have I think brought an answer to that position he's a good championship player really good championship player I think all of us felt like that would have been a really good signing I think Leeds felt like they had that signing in the can bar informalities and there was a, well, I think to put it mildly they were Utterly stunned at what happened yesterday. Very leadsy though. I mean, he's a right back as well. He's another right back. I know he can play there, but primarily he's been used as a right back, hasn't he? Aaron's. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's so, sorry. That's so what we, I was so meaning. We, so, yeah. so we were trying to sign another right back when we don't have any left backs. It, well, I actually think that Byram at left back could be could be decent this season. I think the issue is going to be his fitness and whether he, he is able to play as much as Farker would want him to play. But I accept that he is a right sided player, and that's how we remember him from Leeds but he, he seems pretty competent on, on the left side I think on the right side there's still this question about whether it should be Ailing, who's had some iffy moments I think in the, the second half on Sunday some of his attacking play was, was quite instrumental in, in dragging Leeds back into that game but Aaron's in my experience at Norwich in those two seasons under Farker was just a really really good safe option in that position and I think even if right back doesn't look from you know at face value like the priority position I think it would have been a, a really good addition to the squad I think it was a, a potentially very good signing and one that Leeds thought they had in the bag and you would have thought he goes in as your number one right back choice there wouldn't you yeah. so so what does that mean then for Luke Ayling who presumably then just becomes a squad player but what of Cody Drame as well exactly that I mean we tried to ask uh, Farker about Drame last night and it was an awkward conversation afterwards because he didn't want to get into the subject of why Willie Nonto hadn't been in the squad, but he wasn't trying to pretend that Nonto was injured. We'll come on to that. But quite clearly, there's, there's friction there over the possibility that, that Nonto might leave. The question was asked about Aaron's Farker, who I would imagine will be pretty upset by the way that's worked out, given his past history with, Far uh, with Aaron's. He said he didn't want to speak about another club's player. He was asked, you know, had Aaron's come in, what did that mean for Drami? Which led to the answer of, I don't want to get into that. It's not the way that we should be discussing that, you know, on the basis of one player potentially signing. What does that mean for, for somebody else? But the question's there to be asked. Drami has had a hamstring problem um, and only got a few minutes last night. But I think, I think as Michael said about whichever he did, had Aaron's come in, then yeah, I think you're looking at him as first choice right back straight away. And it did make you think that, you know, going down to Birmingham, say for example, Darlow starts. The point we were making after Cardiff about the back five as it was, conceding those two goals and being very much made up of players who've already been here, defenders who 
haven't contributed to good defensive records over the past two or three seasons. At Birmingham, you could have been looking at Aaron's at right back, Rodon at centre back, you know, potentially striking there, but possibly Creswell, Darlow as goalkeeper, Sam Byram at left back. If nothing else, it's fresh and it's changed, isn't it? It's a different set in that that area, which I think needs to happen. Rodon should still come in from Spurs, that season-long loan, which should still get done as of last night. Nobody seemed to think there was any issue with that. <laughs> well, yes. Um, but the the Aaron's one actually is like very few situations I've seen before. Very, very rare to find a deal get to that stage and for it to fall apart. In the Dan way James, anybody? Harvey no, Barnes? Dan James was different. Harvey Barnes, actually. It was um, different. But is, it, was, it was still nearly in the door, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, I think yeah. The, the difference with Dan James was that it was there was a political battle going on at Swansea. Um, boardroom level and it was Hugh Jenkins who wouldn't pick up the phone subsequently resigned it was one of those where in order to get the transfer over the line you need somebody to sign the paperwork and if it's not physically happening and the deadline's coming you can't do anything about it Harvey Barnes is actually really good comparison because the last time Victor Alter spoke to him and this was the summer of 2018 he was told that um, it was done it was agreed Barnes was coming he would be there on the Monday morning and, you know, we'll see you then. And then got a phone call to say, actually, to say he's gone to, to West Brom. And that was why Otter threw his phone at the wall. And that was why there was this hole in the wall of Otter's office that had this post-it note beside it that said Harvey Barnes, because that's what had happened. He got phoned and he, he uh, told this news and he'd thrown the phone at the wall. And, Harvey's hole. And damaged it. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it might, might still be still be there. Um, but... Aaron's, the deal was agreed with Aaron's. Aaron's was in Leeds. The medical had been started. Deal was agreed with him. Deal was agreed with Norwich. Leeds were in the process of preparing to unveil it, you know, getting plans in place for how they were going to announce it, what they were going to do. I don't think it's beyond the bounds of possibility that he'd have been introduced on the pitch last night. And they were they were absolutely blindsided by the phone call saying, Bournemouth have come in, they're offering X, bye. Mm. You know, there is some stuff out and about today. It's coming from the Norwich and I think it's BBC Norfolk saying that Aaron's does regret the fact that he's had to do this to Farka, or he felt that he had to do this to Farka, denying that he walked out of medical, but from what we were told at this end, the medical had certainly been set in motion. Um, it was, it was definitely the, that close. And I think I've what, got the tweet here if you want it. Yeah, itself, I, by think, the way. I think what nobody can deny is that it was agreed and it was, it was good to go. Yeah, on Twitter or whatever it's called now, it's Chris Reeve, at Chris Reeve O. Uh, R-E-E-V-O, and he's saying, uh, Max Aaron's exclusive. Having spoken to Max over the last 12 hours, I know how much of a hard decision it was to let down Daniel Farker, who is a father figure to him. Some of the reports of him directly walking out of the medical are completely false. I know uh, how tough yesterday was for Max, knowing him and his family personally, in terms of letting down somebody who has done so much for his career. He's confirmed with me that he does not mind me putting this info out there. And uh, I have quote tweeted that from the Squareball account, saying stuff like, Paul Lamb, hope he's all right. It must have been really tough for him, and so on and so forth because it's a fairly mercenary move in a fairly mercenary industry, isn't it? I'm, I'm struggling to find many deep wells of sympathy for him. Yeah, same. I, I mean, I, I, from his point of view, I can see why he's done it. Yeah. From, from our point of view... Don't like it. We're f- fully entitled to think, oh, fuck off. Then. Yeah, you little turncoat yeah, bastard. You're not going to feel sympathetic for him, but yeah. you, at the same time, have to say it's his choice and it was his decision. He had options in front of him. He, he took one. You know, I, I don't... I'm sure, I'm sure it's awkward, personally, given that he, he will be close to Farker. I'm sure if that conversation has to take place, it won't be a particularly pleasant one or, or a comfortable one. I'm not angry, you, I'm just disappointed. Yeah, yeah, probably. 
but you have your you have your choices to make, don't you? It's the same as there's a lot of this going on this summer. I honestly think this has been one of the weirdest windows I've ever seen. Stroke one of the stupidest windows I've ever seen. But what seems to have developed, I think the trend that's developed is that more and more players seem to be going for the money. And I know there is a difference between Premier League and the Championship, so you could say exposure as well. But bottom line, Bournemouth will be paying more and are paying more than Leeds would have paid. And I think a lot of things that are going on this summer come back to the Saudi picture, which is that it's become a bit of a goldmine over there. And there are players, very good players, very established elite players, who've got themselves into the mindset that actually if that's on the table and that's there to be had, then I should just take it. Because surely nobody's pretending that the Saudi Pro League for players who are like 34, 35 is going to develop into anything mega mm. by the time they're retiring. Yeah, I mean, the um, the Premier League is probably our biggest problem this summer, isn't it? And this yeah. what's remaining in this window, the remaining three weeks, in that the, the sort of ballpark we're shopping in is fringes of Premier League kind of area, isn't it? And therefore... Maybe you can compete against the the bottom teams who are likely to be around, gurgling around the plug hole. But if somebody comes in who's, in your eyes, more established, like Bournemouth, Fulham, someone like that, then you're going to struggle, aren't you? Two problems, I think. That is one of them. And I know there's a bit of there's a bit of frustration that it's Bournemouth. And the, the, if you go to Dean Court, you don't feel like you're visiting a Premier League club. But I've said this a few times that I think the project down there with the Riola is actually quite an interesting one. There is a, there is a fair amount of money at Bournemouth so you know it, there's more to it I think than just it's a Premier League club you know there are probably worse Premier League clubs to go to this summer and, and at the moment Wolves look like they're not in great nick at all Sheffield United Luton I think will be in for, for really difficult seasons so yes that that is an issue the, the other problem that Leeds have and I think the Nonto situation on the lines this again is that there are quite evidently a lot of players who went down with Leeds last season who want to leave yeah. Um, and a lot of players who would rather be elsewhere and would, even if they're not admitting it or even if they're not telegraphing it, must be privately thinking, hopefully something comes in for me before I, this window closes. I mean, let's face it, none of us want to be in the championship, do we? None of us. No, I'm, I'm sure they don't. No, the, the, only, the only thing is... They got us here. You, you pay to go and watch, don't you? So you don't want to be in the championship, but you pay money to go and watch. So you want the club to f- perform and, and do the better. You, you want the club to do as, as well as it can. Footballers are paid and paid really well. This group, uh, or the group that came down, had leads in the bottom three last season, didn't perform well enough, didn't get enough results. Club fall into the championship and there is a hell of a lot of failing upwards going on. And I, I'm not naive about the way players think and I know that players who think they're better than the championship will want to move, but there hasn't been this kind of outright commitment of we got the club relegated, we'll get the club promoted again. It's been quite the opposite really, hasn't it? It's that sense of Let's get out of here. It still feels as well with the week of the season gone, like all but probably seven or eight players still have the potential to leave. Because, for example, there's not been a thing about, I've not seen Dan James linked anywhere. But if someone came in with decent money for Dan James, he'd probably go, wouldn't he? The, the difficulty with Dan James is, like others, they owe a lot of money to Manchester United for him still. So when it comes to FFP and, and PNS and how you book the money um, and, and how it affects your accounts, he would probably be quite difficult to, to move on. But you're talking, I, well, you're talking about five million pound a year for for uh, Dan James. Yeah, he was and he's, and he's what, twenty-five million when he came yeah, from Manchester so, United, and has only been here for a season. So, if not slightly more, and then um, how many? How long has he been here? Two years. So, um, not ten. Yeah, million, sorry, two two seasons. So yeah. he's, he's probably got about 15, 16 million quid left on the books. So, would you get that back for him? 
you're probably at a break-even point for FFP, aren't you? There, if you if you were to sell him, I don't know. Dan James was just a theoretical example. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but but Tyler Adams is, uh, from what we were told this morning, about to go to Chelsea. I mean, that's been on the cards for for a good week or so. But it does look like Chelsea are now in the process of activating the release clause, and he will have a medical and. It will probably be a more complicated or longer medical than most because obviously he's had this hamstring injury. But you would assume he'll, he'll get through it. That will get done. My gut feeling is still that Harrison will go before the end of the window. I'm struggling at this point to see how Nonto stays. Really, um, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm not saying it, it can't be done. But that already that already has all the classic classic smells, doesn't it, of a situation which ends with somebody being sold. Yeah, well, we know, we know how these things generally go. Yes. But this, this is a really interesting test, isn't it? Because what sits at the heart of this is a legally binding contract that he yeah. has signed with no get-out clause, as far as we understand it. So do you sit and wait for uh, an offer that meets your valuation? Or do you accept something slightly less to allow you to do stuff in the market? It's It's an interesting litmus test of where the new ownership is, isn't it? And how strong they're willing to be and how much they're willing to sit tight and wait for the fee that we should get for him. And not just them, but Farker as well. You'll have seen the report in the Daily Mail after the game yesterday saying that Nonto asked not to play um, because he he wants to go. I'm not sure it's quite as cut and dry as that. Um, I spoke to people about it last night and I obviously played at the weekend against Cardiff and I thought in spells played pretty well, you know, played played the decent performance, seemed, seemed committed to the game. It, it seems to me fairly apparent that there has been friction in the past 24 hours, 48 hours and, and it seems to me that Nonto does want the opportunity to listen to offers. The suggestions from Italy that um, in order for him to make the Euros Mancini wants, to, wants him to be playing at, at a higher level but he is one player who leads with dead set on keeping and really didn't want to listen to offers for wanted to try and keep and, and are also not really under massive pressure to sell on the basis of any release clauses or anything like that. You come under pressure if a player makes it clear that they want to go, and we've seen that lots of times in the past. But I'm I can't say whether Nonto expressly asked not to play. I kind of got the sense that actually, because of the friction that was developing, there was frustration on both sides, and I'm not convinced that actually didn't suit Farker as much just to leave him out last night as to say, look, this isn't a particularly good situation. We can't kind of have this. So whether or not Nonto didn't want to play or, or wasn't willing to be involved, I think Farker was at the point where he was saying to, saying to himself, let's just draw a line under this for now and come back to it. It'll be very interesting to see whether Nonto has trained today, if they've been training. I think Farker will probably have to speak more openly about it today than he did last night. And I would assume that 24 hours or thereabouts to think about how to address this would, mm. would be helpful. The most telling thing now, I think, will be whether or not whether or not Nonto is involved against Birmingham. And I think mm. if he isn't, for what is, you know, already important games these in, in August, just to get yourself going. If you don't feel that you can involve him in that, because this clearly is related to his future and what comes next, then you are saying, aren't you? Look, he's on his way out. Mm, I suppose so. It's not a good look for anybody, is it, really? Especially yeah. Nonto, though. No, no, especially Nonto. And I think if, if Farka has been minded, and it was suggested to me this is the case, you know, has been minded to say, given the circumstances and given the way he is or, or you know, the friction that's developed, I need to leave him out, then I, I totally understand that. And I think it's pretty pretty good management. But it's not as if you can have that situation festering for ages in the background. The difficulty for Nonto is that I'm not quite sure what his options are. Everton are really keen, but every time our lads who cover Everton uh, speak to people at the club or, or discuss the situation there. It's not entirely obvious that Everton have the money to do it. He's been linked to Burnley, but again, that doesn't seem to have 
have moved forward. I, I suppose there has to be a high chance that if he does go, he looks to get back to Serie A, you know, to be in prominent division, also be to, to be right in Mancini's byline, you know, um, and, and, and playing playing in that country and, and at that level. But that's definitely one to watch. And I think, I mean, you tell me if you think differently, but your gut feeling is already, there's probably only one way this is going to end. Well, it only generally goes one way, doesn't it? I feel like he'll go and probably for less than he's worth, just because. Yeah. That's what Leeds do. Because Leeds. Yeah. But, yeah. But then look at what Southampton have done and held out for huge fees for, for their players. But you get the sense that those huge fees will only come from the Premier League because that's where the money is. Most likely, yeah. The, the, not many other, well, certainly no other league. I guess Saudi Arabia has changed this slightly in that it's not overly obvious who has what to spend over there. I mean, the the, the chat about somebody paying um, as much money as they were looking to pay for Mbappe made you think that the the finances were just limitless if they if they needed to be. But in conventional leagues or established leagues, certainly in Europe, there's nowhere that will pay. You know, Real Madrid and Barcelona, Barcelona not so much at the moment. You know, they seem to be constantly grappling with financial problems. But Real Madrid, you know, from time to time can can lay it on thick. Um, it looks like Bayern have got a deal agreed for Harry Kane, which will be, you know, 100, 100 million pounds. But I think these are your top, top tier clubs in those countries. The difference in the Premier League is that there are a lot of clubs who can spend that sort of cash or can spend quite close to that um, that amount of money. So yeah, you're right. I mean, Lavia at £50 million, great for Southampton. But the other thing with Southampton, I have to say this, is that I think they're in a better position than Leeds at the moment. I think the preparation for the season is more advanced because they've been able to get on with it more quickly. So it's probably easier for them to dig the heels in and say, we want this amount. But I mean, again, I think Lavia will go, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. But that's what I was asking about in, in terms of, you know, what the Leeds doing. Is this an interesting test of, of the ownership? Because you really want to see them put their foot down over this, don't you? Like, I'm trying to navigate what, what is the alternative. If he doesn't go, then what is the, what's the path that this follows? Where does it go from here? He's still, Do, got, he's still got a long time on his contract yeah. though, hasn't he? So it's not like, even if he was into the last, maybe the last sort of two years of his contract, you can start going, well, if we, if we, we hang on to him this year and it doesn't work out, then he's into his last year and he's, Values dropping and stuff. We're in we're in a very strong position with him to yeah. say, look, it, we want thirty five million quid for him, for example. Yeah, then that's what I want us to either, do. Though. Either pay it, or he's just going to be. Yeah, he's, he can come in and train, and if he doesn't come in and train, we'll find him every week. Yeah, well, that's what I meant. I meant this is this is where you're going to see a test of the ownership, and you know, I've actually just been tweeted by uh, Luke Williamson has just um, uh, done out the square ball, who said. Understand this isn't the NFL, but I would caution Nonto's agent. Parag has dealt with holdouts on the NFL side and the player if he doesn't have uh, holdouts on the NFL side and the player if he doesn't have leverage. Almost never wins. The, the lad has no release clause and four years left on his contract. Parag isn't Victor. Basically saying there, I think, that um, maybe there is that sort of uh, willingness to be a little bit more determined and to put your foot down on it and make him stay because he signed a contract at the end of the day. I, I think you can definitely do that provided that you know that he will commit himself properly once the window closes. Well, and, well that's what I mean about the story, but, Phil, is where does it go? If, if if they make him stay, what does he do? Well, my feeling always is that if you make them make a player stay, they have very little option but to knuckle down and play unless they do... I mean, you know the conversation that always goes on about if you don't want to lose a player or if a player's been difficult, chuck him in the reserves or, like Michael said, find him every week. Never happens, does it? It no. never happens. Clubs always end up taking the money. Um, because that is the kind of prudent thing to do. There's not really any... Or use the player, keep the player and use the player. And use him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that that's a much better way to do it. And you think you would say to Nonto if he was still here, 
if Mancini is saying to you in order to get into the, the squad for the Euros you need to be playing at a higher level then can comprehensively guarantee you that if you're not playing at all then you just you will not even have the, the slightest looking you know you really need a good a good season and then January comes around and, and everything else you know, it's not as if it's it's a permanently closed shop there are probably two ways to handle this one is to say to Nonto we're not selling you you have a contract you need to commit and play properly and get your head down and keep going or to say to Nonto's camp this is the price if you're going to tighten around and if you're going to ask for clubs to come and bid for him if you're going to try and court clubs to, to find another place for him to move to then you need to tell them if they're even going to bother getting involved with us, then this is what they're going to be asked for. And there's very little point in coming to us and saying, I will, you know, we'll structure the deal like this, or we'll do it slightly differently, or we'll try and undercut your your asking price. Because you're right, you know, legally and, and contractually, Leeds don't need to sell them. But there's a huge amount of power with players these days. And like it or not, and whether Marathi is a hard nosed negotiator or whatever else, that is how it works in professional football and in, in European football and it's tricky I mean what you would hope is that Farker will be able to say later that he's training as usual he'll be in the squad for the weekend he has interest or he has interest in, from elsewhere he likes the idea that somebody else might sign him or, or take him to to a higher level but gives you the impression that this is manageable one way or, or the other I think the one thing Leeds will want to avoid is that by the end of the Birmingham game, they're in a position where it feels like they've got no choice but to try and get a deal done for them. Yeah, because the, the crowd's going to turn, isn't it? And there's no two ways about yeah. that. Like, I mean, like, look at the response to re-signing Charlie Taylor uh, over asking to set out that Wigan game at the very end of his contract. Which was a meaningless game as well. Yeah, and there was mitigation there around the, the contract offer he'd had, you know, uh, from Chilino and so on and so forth. So, why don't we ship out Nonto so we can buy Charlie Taylor back? It might happen. <laughs> but but it is, inter- it is interesting, isn't it? And, and wondering where this will, will go from here. And we will potentially have some more clarity on that because you are heading off to the presser after this. which And, well, and that will all be public before this comes out. So we'll I, I, I like Nonto a lot as a footballer. He's incredibly talented and he's he's got that bit of flair about him that you don't find too commonly. You know, And, and for the, the money that was spent on him, he's, he's been an absolute bargain. But he didn't have such a good season last season. You know, it wasn't like it was dynamite from start to to finish in the way that, say, Rafinha's first season felt like it like it was. Um, that people are going to look back at it and say, well, you know, he he did his bit for the club, so fair enough. You know, it was pretty in and out. There were some great performances, but there were periods where, okay, it felt as if he wasn't being used, and then there were periods when when he played and and he wasn't wasn't so good. I think when you're talking about the crowd turning, I think people will be quite frustrated by the idea that it's been a season here and now it's it's off-ski, even though, again, he was part of the, the, the crowd that took them down. Do we actually know on the Mancini stuff if that's true? Or is it, I, I or is it just an excuse? Because Mancini was picking him when he played in Switzerland. I'm, I'm, I've asked our CDR reporter, James Horncastle, who is a Leeds fan, um, to, to see if he can find out about that um, and, and to see what's what's been said. That, that is certainly what's been reported in Italy or has been mentioned in Italy, that, that Mancini would like to see him playing at a higher level. And I do I do get why. There was there were always those discussions, weren't there, with Gareth Southgate about the reluctance to choose championship footballers over footballers who were playing in the Premier League or playing in what you'd consider to be a top European division. But... Mancini, I mean, look, biding his time to get revenge from the Makita tournament. <laughs> what, in, what, in 1992. He's taking, he's taking his time. That is a, that is a you, superb, thought you thought I'd forgotten. A superb video, by the way, isn't it? That one? That's the, it's when Batty was kicking him Fantastic. round Ellen Road. Fantastic, yeah. It's, in the Makita it's, tournament. It's superb. But after seeing what went on with Aaron's yesterday, and I get that Aaron's is clearly 
very upset and everything else um, from what we're being told. But money is going to play a part too, isn't it? You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewellery. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewellery of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Daniel Farker has pulled no punches um, about what's needed. It's been mentioned in just about every post-match, pre-match, every interview about the squad is simply just not there. It is just not there right now. Wouldn't uh, have played Ampadu in the League Cup game, didn't want to start him in that game and and was well, forced to do so because that... of lack of options. They, they need to crack on with it. Don't it's, it's the 10th of August at the time of recording. You've got three weeks to sort this out. The pressure is growing from all sides. That um, injury update on Tuesday was... I was writing this morning about it and saying, you know, the um, the memes of Ant and Deck on the microphone saying, right, so tell them that Cooper's out for eight weeks and then Somerville for three weeks and then Fuppo for another four weeks. I know people's opinion of Fuppo isn't particularly high, but it was, it, you, you knew that some news was coming on Cooper and you knew it was probably going to be quite a, a, you know, a, a substantial absence. But then Somerville just in there as well. No sign of Furpo returning. It really was like laying it on thick. Furpo in, in, in a pink tracksuit yesterday, by the way. Similar to yours. Yeah. I loaned him mine. Running in. Yeah. yeah. But it, it is really substantial injury list. And it just always seems to be a really, really substantial injury list at Leeds. It never seems to relent. And it doesn't make it easy at any point, but it certainly doesn't make it easy in the first week of the season when you're trying to, you're trying to get things going and you're trying to get a little bit of, bit of impetus. These, like the first month of the season doesn't really decide anything, but there isn't a manager anywhere who doesn't want to feel by the end of August that you know things are up and running and they're, they're ticking over quite nicely. Anything on Cooper, by the way? The Saudi offer and uh, the, the the ruptured plantar that's going to keep him out for eight weeks? Well, I don't think it's likely now that he will go to Saudi Arabia and I actually think that he was minded to... It, it, he would like an extension from the club, but I think he was minded to stick around anyway. Um, if that was there to be negotiated or, or there to to be discussed, it was good money in Saudi Arabia, but I don't think it was like extraordinary amounts. You know, it wasn't like a Jordan Henderson 
eight billion a week or whatever it was rising. It was just, rising it was just a, mere, a mere seven hundred grand a um, week. Maybe. But I think the, the fact that he's out for so long now, a couple of months, probably means that extension-wise, he and Leeds um, that might end up being off the table now until January. You would think um, it's 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 really unfortunate for him. See, I I know I know what he was quoted as saying. You know about saying to the players who don't want to be here, then just go. He is slightly different to quite a few others in that his contract is diminishing rapidly. You know, he's got less than 12 months to go. He's 31. He's been here for, for nine seasons. I don't think if he was being offered the sideways move in the championship, he'd be going, oh yeah, get me out of here. But, you know, it is a fair amount of money in Saudi Arabia. As I say, I, I would assume that as an option, that just fades now because it, it won't be available for, for a long time. But I don't kind of regard it in the same way as, say, Verba or even Nonto, you know, who have long contracts, who are fairly young in comparison. Um, and are kind of making this active choice to say, I'd just rather be elsewhere. The daft thing is you could almost wish him well, couldn't you? Because you feel like that group of championship players who brought us up in 2020 are coming probably around to the end of the cycle. You know, like Luke yeah. Hayling, is, is probably his, his powers are diminishing a little bit. You saw it even again last night, didn't you, on occasions against, against Shrewsbury. So if it's the chance to go take that filthy money and set yourself up for life, then fair enough with Cooper, I suppose. His and fitness has not been great either, yeah. has it, over the last few years. He doesn't feel like he's played a run of 20 games for a very long time now. Yeah, I think the, if you're asking yourself, would he get through 46 games this season? And obviously not now, but I'm not sure you'd have been totally confident about that. I don't feel as if... I mean, Leeds don't owe these players anything specifically either, but I don't feel as if any of those players owe the club much. I think they've all done well by each other. Similar situation, isn't it, to Clake and even Pablo Hernandez, you know, in that Premier League season where Bielsa wasn't picking him, but, he, it, you know, his form wasn't there in the way that it had been in the Championship. It, these things do just come to an end, but I think you can be objective enough to say, look, the overall contribution has been really good, stroke great in the case of somebody like Hernandez or, or Clake. And actually, you know, Cooper's given them a, a lot of service over a, a really long period of time. I think part of the problem there is that Leeds have probably rested too long on some of these players and and this part of the squad but I don't think when it comes to relegation and the way it went wrong in the Premier League I don't think that was really the the prime problem Um, Just on the midfielders last night um, you saw Ampadu getting pushed forward from defence into midfield for that second half which gave us a much greater foothold in the game didn't it and uh, JB was taken off and moved out of midfield that's, as time goes on, that's looking like an increasingly more bizarre deal, isn't it? Paying five million quid for a kid who seems to be mile, absolutely miles off it versus seven million up front for Ampadu. Well, I mean, obviously when Lavia went down to Southampton, he was 12 million quid and was considered to be, he was further forward than JB, but considered to be of kind of the same ilk. City certainly thought very highly of him. When JB left for Leeds, City were trying to tie him to a new contract. Although interestingly, I was told that there was no buyback in JB's deal, whereas there was in, in Lavia's. So perhaps that, or there is in Lavia's at, at Southampton. So perhaps that tells you that actually City valued one more than, than the other. It was not a good performance from JB. I've seen JB play really well. I've seen him look good for the reserves. I've seen him look good for England's under-20s. I do think there's some talent there. But again, a little bit like Helder last night, you, you weren't looking at him in the isolation of that game and saying that's somebody who should be getting more game time. Whereas with Archie Gray you're kind of saying, start this kid every week for now. Yeah, a word on Archie, actually, because um, he's always worth touching on. Mm-hmm. Just fantastic, isn't he? Aye. Yeah, it's the it's the touches and the vision and all the little bits and pieces that he can, can do, but also the ability to mix it 
in what are some pretty physical games. You know, he doesn't look like he's a kid getting bullied all over the place. I think there'll be some hardened midfielders who'll get a bit of a shock from him, actually. They'll probably say to themselves, I mean, I'd go back to an old story. I remember speaking to Don Matteo about David Batty. And he was talking about um, the time Leeds played down at West Ham and Joe Cole was golden boy, West Ham's golden boy. It was the first time that Batty and a lot of the Leeds players had, had played against him. And you remember Batty got sent, well, you might remember Batty got sent off in that game. But he basically said in the tunnel to the rest of the Leeds players, don't worry about him. Like, <laughs> He's mine. Just, yeah, just leave him to me. And spent the entire game trying to smash him to bits, you know. And I think in the end, was sent off. I might be wrong here, but I think was sent off for elbowing, elbowing him in the head. Yeah, um, like, accidentally. Yeah, 100% accidentally. It needed VAR on the day. There will probably be some midfielders who will look at Gray and say, right, you know, let's get into him, see what he's made of. But it, he doesn't look like he's going to buckle easily. No. You know, he, he looks pretty robust and um, durable. It's just Not that, to mention hideously talented. Well, it's just that irresistible combination of obviously the the family lines uh-huh. coming through the youth system, you know, trying to do like the, the spins in the middle of the field. He tried it again last night, but you kind of, if someone else had done that, I'd have, you'd have been like, stop being a, stop shout boy, get him off, get him off. And then he tried it's like, oh, bloody hell, Archie, you cheeky young scamp. <laughs> you've seen a few come off already though, haven't you? Yeah, that's as well? it. That's the that's thing. The difference. He's, he's yeah. done it several times, even in the two games we've seen. He's, he's shown he is more than capable of that stuff. Yeah, so. yeah. The tricks are amazing, but I think what you'll find with Gray as time goes on, what you'll really admire about him and like about him is the way that he controls the play. Mm-hmm. I honestly think if you can build a really good team that he can slot into and a team that are genuinely dominant and strong in the championship, you'll get masses out of him. He yeah. seems to read the game exceptionally well yeah. for someone who's essentially played two professional games. Yeah. Now. And and I, know, I know the under-23s is a, an alright level, but it's completely different. And, and he instantly looks... Like he knows what he's doing. Well, I was just going to say, yeah, and you kind of beat me to the punch. Was it'll be interesting to see what he's like in like ten games time when the kind of the novelty of of making your debut and riding the crest of that wave is kind of it's all worn off a little bit, and mm-hmm. we're into the sort of the championship grind, and he's settled into his position and all that. Just just to see how he handles it then when he's uh, he's played a few games, got a few games under his belt. If if things go the way they should go, he's going to be good, isn't he? He's going to be special, definitely. Yeah, and then we just look out for his little brother, but we won't pile pressure on him just yet. No, no, given that he's only like 13, 14. <laughs> but, but he's, Even if Leeds do need a goal scorer, yeah. To be honest, squad's looking pretty depleted. Um, I'm thinking about um, wingers. Let's talk about Paveda quickly, shall we? And he made things happen, I felt, yes. last night, bless him, and uh, took a bit of a bat, uh, battering, didn't he, towards the end? He did, but um, he was he was nice and tricky, I thought, last night. He, same as when he came on against Cardiff. I think... Top end championship level, I still wonder whether you'll get more from him as an impact player as opposed to, to somebody that starts. I think he's that nightmare for fullbacks, isn't he, who comes on with 10 minutes to go and you suddenly find that having put yourself through a hard game already, you've got this guy who just dribbles and dribbles and runs and runs and, and keeps keeps coming at you. But yeah, he's he's done well, I think, to get himself back in the picture because it certainly didn't feel like he was in it when the um, when the summer started. Reminds me a little bit of Snodgrass, actually, in the way that he's, he's not actually very quick but he still seems able to beat players quite easily. Yeah, and he's got that sort of jinking movement about him, hasn't he? Um, I think, I, I, I will have mentioned that when we, we wrote about him after he signed from City, a lot of people said, honestly, this kid has got masses and masses of talent. It just doesn't seem to have clicked. It doesn't seem to have clicked in the way that would have you know kept him at Premier League level or, or would have given him much of a chance at that level. You, you hope for, for his sake anyway that it's clicked mentally for him as well. Yeah. You know, like just where he realises you've got to be disciplined, you've got to knuckle down. 
because there's almost, I don't know, it's felt like he's had a little bit of a, and I don't know if this is fair or not, you tell me, bit of a party boy, kind of wide boy image, likes the lifestyle, that kind of thing. I don't necessarily know that he is going out and partying or anything, but he, he kind of gets, he, he comes with that reputation, if you know it's what I mean. It's a bit awkward because Phil also has a mural of himself in his house, I do know that. Yeah, so. yeah that's right. Life that's size. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so I couldn't possibly comment. I I actually think the bigger thing is I look at Pervade. I mean, obviously, like that's crucial to footballers' development. And on the Archie Gray front, that is one. I mean, he just seems to look after himself impeccably, apart from randomly kicking things by mistake at home and, and breaking his toe, which was um, kind of classic footballer accident. But Pervade, I think, I think a little bit like this about Somerville as well. And actually, if you look at the sort of front four that Leeds had the weekend against Cardiff, there's quite a bit of sort of off the cuff football in there which is great to watch and you know the bits of flair can be can be magic but you do need structure in the best teams and you do need discipline to play in the right way so it can't just be constant take-ons and constant dribbles it's got to fit into the wider pattern of of what it is that you're you're trying to do but whereas with Helder I think the first two games have been extremely difficult Paveda I've looked at and thought he, he seems to be in good fettle and to Birmingham then, what sort of a team we're going to be playing out at St Andrews at the weekend in our sparkly, spangly, um, pink and yellow? Well, Rodon, you would hope, will be done today, which you would hope would give him a chance of being involved to some degree at the weekend. It didn't seem as if there were any more injuries um, after the game last night, although, to be totally frank, in the press conference we were rather diverted by other things entirely. I just one of those days yesterday, really, at the start of the day in... Leeds Crown Court because they were dealing to sentencing hearing for that bomb hoax at Ellen Road back in March and by the time I was driving home I just thought it's been absolutely classic Leeds United day this one really from, from start to finish oh, so, I'm just so tired by it all already it's just, yeah. like, it's just been so exhausting since the season kicked off yeah. I was really looking forward to it when we did the, you know when we did the live stream on Sunday morning <laughs> yeah absolutely, like, absolutely after you cold yeah, yeah but I, even, even despite that I was absolutely full of beans just looking forward to it all coming back again and I think some combination of us falling behind in both games so far and the stresses of the transfer window and like Max Aaron's doing a U-turn with Lee Nonto um, doing us a bit dirty as well. All of it. I, just, yeah. I, I, I need a holiday. <laughs> yeah, I, I said on Twitter this morning that if you wanted like aliens to understand what it is that Leeds United are, then yesterday would have been a good day to have invaded. Although I also think that the good way of repelling alien invasion would be to say, watch Leeds for a week and they'll go... Listen, we're just going back to war with the Martians. It's it's easier that way. Like you know, keep us keep us keep our minds straight. It was just a weird day from from start to finish. So we didn't get on to talking much about fitness. We can um, we'll obviously address that with with Farka later. The squad will be slightly different to the squad against uh, Cardiff in that Cooper won't be in it and some of it won't be in it because they're not available. The big it rode on hopefully. I don't think we'll see anybody else coming before the weekend, but the big question is going to be Nonto, isn't it? Right. Is, is Nonto going to be part of the group? Who? I mean, who do you play up front then if if Nonto isn't playing up front? Well, because uh, I miss, uh, there's, well, there's Gilhart, isn't there? Um, well, what did you make the, of him on on uh, Wednesday? It's not, not quite. Not, it's not quite firing for him. Uh, is no, it? it's it's pretty much what I was going to say. Not not in the way that you're looking at him going. Oh, that was a bad night, but just didn't kind of. I mean, I know he got the goal, but. With the best one in the world, I would have scored that on the basis that it just had to hit you in the right place to, to go in. He had to be again, there again, for it to hit him. Another really talented player, Gilhart, but someone who just, and I think as much as anything because of the way it's been at Leeds, just hasn't been able to follow what would have been the development plan for him. And is I don't think anybody at Leeds would pretend that where he is now 
is where they hoped he would be when they first signed him um, back in that summer after after promotion. So yes, it's it's going to be tr- it's going to be difficult. And and, and Farker said last night didn't want to play Ampadu quite as much as he did. I was really surprised that it was Ampadu and Gray, given that they're you know that that partnership is going to be needed surely um, mm. against Birmingham, but needs must. And I think Farker is bright enough to realise that particularly at a club like this, it doesn't do any good to get beat by Shrewsbury. So let's, you do um, have to make sure that you get over the line. Let's try and pick a side then for Birmingham. Let's work it out. Does Darlow stay in or does he uh, come out again? He was he was a little bit, um, I, I said on the match ball, like, he's a confident young man, isn't he? He is. He is. Um, I wouldn't have said his passing was bang on it last night particularly, but I'd, I've always felt with Darlow that Farker will try and get him into the picture as soon as he can because there will be this suspicion that Melier will go towards the end of the window and I don't honestly think you're signing Darlow as, as backup. I don't know on that one. I don't know. What do you reckon? I asked you first. <laughs> I'm going to say well, Darlow. I, think, I reckon Darlow stays. Is this, is this the point where it... my gut feeling as well. Mm. Right. Yeah. Interesting. It'd be interesting yeah. to see if that one works out. Yeah. I wonder centre-back as well. I wonder if we stick if we go Cresswell and Stroud as well because they've actually had a bit of time to play yeah. together whereas Rodon will presumably, you know, if, yeah, he's, 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 if he's, he's in the, the door, door, isn't he? Yeah, it yeah, tend, tends just. to be the way. Um, I would guess ailing it right back in that Drame has obviously had this issue and only got a few minutes last night so I don't know where, where he would be at although that's something we need to, to ask Farker about today is what the, the deal's going to be for for Drame. Byron at left back, no? I'd say so, yeah. I think, yeah. I think he'll need to be. Um, the centre mids pick themselves. Yes. And then I reckon some combination of James Pervader and Sinistera behind a mystery striker. <laughs> probably Gellhart. Which Gellhart. is probably Gellhart. Yeah. Right. Assuming that Ruta's not back in the mix, um, who else is there, really? That's it, isn't it? I mean, Sonny Perkins, but we've not seen any of him yet. I don't think at the moment it feels as if going for Perkins ahead of Gilhart. Perkins, I think, gives you probably slightly more presence in terms of height up front. He's a good player, but yeah, it can't be can't be far off that. I think we actually called the team right last weekend. Yeah, let's, not get, let's not get ahead yeah. of ourselves, though. Um, yeah. Well, for midfield on the bench, maybe like Lewis Bate. Looked like he, only, he was only a bit of a cameo against Shrewsbury, but he looked tidy in possession, like he could could potentially make things happen. He certainly seemed more effective than JB, anyway. Well, I, I think you might see both of them involved, given that you've got a big bench to fill and there aren't actually that many players kicking around. But I would definitely play Creswell, I think, at the back. And I think at the moment, Michael's probably right. Rodon, assuming he does sign today, late through the door, perhaps Farker does just say, right, listen, I, you know, Sign this guy. We've gone for the season. We're backing him. He's he's in, but um, it doesn't tend to be how coaches operate these days. I don't mm. think we should write JB off. By the way, no, 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 way no he's going to be talking not. about because he. Was, I think he was playing a deeper role than he's probably suited to yesterday, and because there weren't fullbacks on at that point, there was not an easy ball for him to play and move on. I don't. It felt like it felt like everything was so stilted in that first half. No yeah. one quite knew who to pass to at any point. So the back three and goalkeeper and JB just were kind of panicking and passing it around amongst themselves until eventually someone lost it. So. I, still, I, still, I still think he's a really, really good player. But as with all young footballers, he, it's hard to predict where it's going to go. I think you get a small number, Archie Gray being a really good example, where you, and you know, I'd, I'd apply this to somebody like Delph as well, where you feel like if they stay fit and they knuckle down, can't really fail. Can they? I mean, I just think Gray's game has got, as a midfielder, it's got absolutely everything. Mm. That great video, wasn't there, of him trying to send people back onto the pitch after the equaliser against Cardiff? And I noticed him 
last night from time to time saying to people, you know, just for Christ's sake, just calm down a bit. Um, he's only, <laughs> only 17. And, but but he, he, you know, he's captain England at, at youth level. So people obviously see that that about him. But with others like JB, I think this is where you got to prove it, isn't it? And he, he, I would imagine, will be really disappointed about last night in the mm. way that Helder must be pretty disappointed about the way it's gone in, in the first two games. I think the difference with Helder is, like you, I don't feel like I'm looking at a left-back when I see him. Um, um, how do you think this game's going to go? Is it just one of those, another one we've kind of got to get through until the squad takes proper shape in the next few weeks, maybe? No, let's win it. No, I want to win it. Because we've got... I want to win every game. There are enough good players in our team to win it. If we if we can defend even half effectively, we can win. We can, well, with, with people like Sinisteria in the team, I think you can win any game in this league because he's far too good for it. This will be... In some ways, Sunday was... This is true of Sunday, but this will be a proper reintroduction to the championship, I think. Really, really established championship club in the sense that Birmingham have been around in this division for ages. It'll be, someone said to me, St Andrews is sold out, but a big, big crowd. And you know that for Leeds in the Championship, it is always very, very difficult away from home. So, yeah, really, really good test, this, I think. Let's have a 5 4 win. Yeah, no, that, was, that was fun when that happened at Birmingham. Yeah, reignite the fun. Yeah. That, yeah. that is one thing that I do feel like we need. This, there's just something, this thing, whole thing needs a fire lighting under it, doesn't it? It's not just Leeds. It's not just Leeds football is losing its sense of fun. I think people it it becomes harder and harder for people to find the fun in football because everybody gets consumed by transfers and you know strength squad, weakness of squad about what you want to strive to achieve, what you want to aspire to further down the line. I honestly have always felt that one of the best things about MB's era was that you were able to enjoy the here and now. And yeah, you did think about you want to win promotion and that, you know, that would be great. But sometimes you were able to just take the games for what they were and come away from them and, and slightly ignore the bigger picture. I think probably less so in the second season because at that point you felt like if it doesn't happen in season two, it's probably all over. And it did. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Football seems to have lost its sense of fun a little bit, I think. Yeah. Bring back the joy. Yeah. And our third kit will bring back joy when people see it. I don't mind it. No, we'll talk about it on our show, won't we? I suppose because I know Phil hates talking about kits. But, well, um, the the only thing is, I did write about kits. I spoke to um, Ed Cowburn, who runs Acid FC, and he has done the the designs for them. And it has to be said that the home kit is probably the first one ever I can remember that seemed to be unanimously unanimously popular. Blah, I can't even say that unanimously mm-hmm. popular. Yeah. Um, I wasn't really aware of anybody complaining about it. You know, everybody seemed pretty content. But when I spoke to Ed for the piece, because the piece was basically. How do you go about making a kit that people love? Or if you want to look at it from the opposite point of view, how do you avoid making a kit that people hate? And Ed was talking about the first kit that he designed, which was for Red Star uh, Lower League Club in Paris. He's spoken about this on the Extra Ball, by the way. So, oh, is he? Yeah. yeah so, no, so, so our members can find that, by the way. I did episode. honestly listen to that from start to finish. Uh, I just thought for anyone who wasn't, um, I'm trying, wasn't I'm, signed I'm up, you know. I'm actually trying to get Ed back on our show as well, so we can yeah, talk, no, it's, talk through the story of the designs. It's really interesting. Um, he, so Be- he did better this, than you did. He did this. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with some, some proper insight. He, um, he did these, uh, these kits for Red Star in Paris, and they were... I saw a wallpaper design. So they featured, um, I think he said, 11 events of the, from the club's history. And when it first landed, somebody set up a, um Instagram account, which was, you know, give or take, fuck acid FC. That was, that was how strongly they felt about it. But then these kits slowly became 
kind of like cult classics and you can't get your hands on them now. They, you know, they were really popular and people, you know, people went for them in, in a big way. And I would say that the kit industry has definitely changed in that when it comes to the home kit, you, you have to be a little bit safe with it, don't you? You can't take big risks with it. People get very, very upset about that. But now that clubs have second and third kits and they must be itching to do fourth and fifth and sixth kits just for the sake of money, it is becoming a bit more artistic, isn't it? And people are being a bit riskier with what they do. And, yeah. and I think the third kit this season is quite, without being in any way identical, it's quite reminiscent of what was done with Red Star's away kit, which was to make it totally different, to make it stand out, to take the risk of the fact that some people would say, what is this? But actually, because it is different, a little bit like the charcoal and pink one, over time, everybody might say, quite like that. Well, it's because it went up in it. It's, it's Pablo yes. at, at Swansea, isn't it? Yeah, is that it's, one? it is. Yeah. So we're just yeah. going to have to go up in this one. Um, yeah. It's interesting what you said about the fifth and sixth kits because, yeah, we're not far off it because they've got the training shirts. But um, I was, because I'm a bit of a, uh, like a geek when it comes to kit design and stuff. As a kid, a kid I used to just always sketch them out, you know, like on my pieces of paper and stuff like that. So it's, it's kind of stuck with me into adulthood. If uh, only your dad had been Leeds chairman, one of those could have been on the pitch. <laughs> well, indeed. Um, uh, see, the way I see it as well is that if, you know, if, if you are Adidas or Nike and you produce kit for Manchester United, Liverpool, Chelsea, Manchester City, and it is just released as Adidas's new kit, then if you've been involved in it and it's really unpopular, you can just hide in the crowd, can't you? You can just hide in this huge multinational company where nobody really knows who's who and you just say it's Adidas, you know, and, and we're part of that. With this one, Ed and Acid FC properly sticking their necks out and saying, look, we, we designed this, you know, mm. and I do not envy the feeling the night before as it's about to be released of what are people going to say about this? Because people do get very emotive. Well, I've, been, I've been messaging back and forth with Ed Blessing. I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying that he was he was a bit worried about the reaction, he'd, particularly he'd, to the third. He'd said to me that he was pretty confident about the first kit and was obviously really happy with the reaction. But he did think that the second kit and particularly the third would um, test people a little <laughs> bit more. Yeah. Po- polarising is the <laughs> yes, word that he used. Yeah, yes. and I spoke to him. But yeah. I was just going to say that with the, with the multiple kits, fifth and sixth, and I went down a bit of a, a wormhole. I think it was NBA teams I was looking at. And they have like five or six different uniforms for when they're playing in the, across the basketball season. Like they have heritage kits and special one-off kits and stuff like that, as well as the regular home away and stuff. So it's probably the future concern. We tend to follow everything that America does, don't we? Yeah. Somebody very kindly brought me back a um, heart shirt from the, um, the Hearts Leeds game. I have to confess, I can barely get into it. I don't, I don't know which player has that incredible physique, but he doesn't look anything like me. It's goal, a goal for you there, isn't it, Phil? Um, we'll return after the weekend and talk about um, the Birmingham game then. Um, you and I on Monday morning, we'll have a chat and yes. um, see how it goes. Fingers crossed for another three points, or a, a three points. Yes. And that's one thing to remember. First win since April on uh, on Wednesday night. Almost unstoppable momentum now. <laughs> <laughs> well, unbeaten in two now, so far this season. Yes. Let's make it three. Him. Right, we'll speak to you soon. The Square Ball Podcast. 
You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.